0: The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Isaiah 1-3 Hi, this is Pastor Jason from Christian Life Church in Waverly, New York. Welcome to Master's Crib, a weekly podcast where we interview pastors and leaders about the biblical teaching of authority. This program is designed to go alongside a personal Bible study aimed towards spiritual growth, biblical understanding, and a Christian worldview. Thanks for tuning in. Today on episode 21, we have Matt Williams of How to Build a Tent. Matt has a combined experience uh, with small and large corporations of 20 years. He's held titles of founder, CEO, COO, and he currently works on the corporate consulting team and consults for small businesses as well. He holds a bachelor's in management and an MBA from Pepperdine University. Matt, welcome to Master's Crib.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate this.
0: Yeah, so... You have some things going on like all over the place. How, how to Build a Tent going on every single day, and you also have Reform Jellicle. So uh, can you just mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about uh, How to Build a Tent and Reform Jellicle?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So How to Build a Tent is on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. It's a podcast and on YouTube. And I started that show with the mission of helping Christians be successful. It originally just started with giving specific and simple business advice And kind of started morphing into how business relates to all of our different areas with the family and how you can use those skills and teach your kids how to, you know, live and mature and the different things about finance and how to set prices and how to interact with people to politics, to economics, how politics and business work hand in hand and kind of just develop an overall approach of how business applies to every area of life and helping them be successful in it. When I started, I, I had this pet peeve. I feel like Christians are just overall terrible at business, and I want to change that <laughs> stigma. I don't know if it's true, but in my mind, I just see a lot of Christian companies doing poorly, and I still don't know why. I'm, that's one of my like bucket list items: is to answer that question to myself. But I want people to be able to be successful to not just to get stuff and to acquire things, but to be an authoritarian, authoritative figure to be able to share the gospel, to be influential in their communities, to be able to bless not only their family and their children, but their church and the local community around them. And we see this in the secular world a lot, as people that are successful in business are able to achieve their agendas and put forward their agenda. Mm. And I just want to see Christians do that more. And so that's kind of the the behind the scenes of that show. And so we talk about business economics, um, the policy decisions that are being made, the Federal Reserve How that impacts us, what we need to be doing, how we need to be engaging, from an overall economy standpoint, and then all the way down to local. How do you set prices? How to find a product or service to um, produce or provide, and things like that. Reform Jellicle is a just a little brainchild of mine. I thought it would be interesting because I come from the non-denominational Calvary Chapel background, free mill. Everything that Calvinist and Reformed people cringe about—that's what <laughs> I came from in the background. And I uh, got my friend A.D. Robles; he has a YouTube channel, and he's on the Fight La Peace Network as well. And I was like, "Hey, man, we need to do a show together where you can take your Reformed Presbyterian background and my non-denominational evangelical background, and come together and provide worldview perspectives, so we can give, be an example that we are the body of Christ." and We can find commonality when we are pursuing Christ together, and we can learn from each other and bless each other in that um, coming together and be a great impact for the world. And so that's kind of the background of Reformed Jellicle. It's really just a time where we get together and talk like we would be in person. He's up in the Northeast with you guys. Uh, I'm down in Florida. So we do it online, but it's really just a time where We get together, just talk like brothers in Christ about different things that are going on in the week, and we do it live online, so people are asking us questions or involved during the podcast, which is an interesting dynamic. So those are the two podcasts today. That's awesome. Now, how long have they been going on? I've been doing How to Build a Tent for two years. We started Reform Jellicle, uh, well, we started it in October, and then we took a little bit of a break, and then really started doing it consistently weekly in the beginning of the year. All right, so you were, uh, you were explaining kind of the, the
0: mission of, of each one of these, but, but you're involved in mm-hmm. all kinds of things. So at the end of the yeah. day, when, when you're finished with, with all of these different branches of ministry that you're involved in, you know you're, you're shutting down the sound equipment, you know you're, you're done for the day. What is your hope and prayer that has been accomplished?
1: Um, I wanted just to see the kingdom spread. I want people to return to Christ. I want all the different spheres of authority to become more of the picture that God wants us to have. In them. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about politics, I'm not talking about it from a Republican perspective. When I'm sharing with people what we should be doing from a political perspective, I'm not trying to get them to come over and donate to Donald Trump. <laughs> but I want people to understand how God wants us to to be in politics how he wants us to manage what he's given us from a civic perspective and also from the church perspective i want uh, people to understand the importance of coming together and worshiping god and what that means from a uh, gospel perspective from a warfare perspective and and edifying the church perspective and then also the importance of family commerce providing for your family leaving an inheritance I mean, the Bible talks about all of these things as being really important. And so if I can encourage people to pursue those different spheres more, to be more effective in the kingdom, to be more kingdom-minded and less worldly perspective, or have a a less of a worldly perspective, I feel like I have accomplished my goal for the day.
0: Wow. And amazingly, just as a word of encouragement to you, the people that I know that listen to your show uh, as, as we talk about these things, would have given a synopsis, guessing that that's what you're at. The guessing that, oh. that that's what you're shooting at. So you're doing an awesome job, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. So uh, let's take a couple minutes, you and I, and, and tear into God's Word. We have a passage here, which is a really familiar passage from Joshua, and um, it's, it, it is about success. And that's kind of where we wanted to look this morning, is... Uh, authority over success where does that come from so it's uh, joshua 1 1 through 10 i just like to read that it says after the death of moses the servant of the lord the lord said to joshua the son of Nun, moses's assistant moses my servant is dead now therefore arise go over this jordan you and all this people into the land that i am giving to them to the people of israel every place that the soul of your foot will tread upon i have given to you Just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to withstand you before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So Matt, are we to understand this passage as being specifically to Joshua, or to us, or to both?
1: Uh, well, from how I would see it is I would read this as specifically to Joshua and to the nation of Israel, but it applies to us today. And thinking when I when you were just reading that, what was going through my mind is how great is it to know exactly what your mission is from God mm. and that you will have success when you obey. Mm. And I, I constantly tried to remind people that the results aren't our uh, responsibility. It's obedience. God is responsible for the results. And when he commands us to do things and we obey, he will enable us to do that. His commandments are his enablements, as my mentor Chuck Smith used to say. Um, So that's the thing that really stands out to me about this is when we know and when we are spending time in God's word, when we're praying, when we are um, seeking God, he's going to give us the step. He's going to tell us what we're going to need to do. Now, it's not going to necessarily be conquering the land, but it's going to be something like as a head of household, I need to provide for my family. Mm. And working around that, that when you are diligent and when you do the things that, even though they're hard, conquering the land was not an easy thing to do. It wasn't just something that God cleared the way for, like parted the sea, (laughs) but they had to do battle. They had to train. They had to do a lot of practical things. And so when we... um, have those calls in our life as a head of household or whatever area you are leading a team starting a company when you, that is something God has commanded you to do just be faithful and what entrust and God with the results mm. that's awesome so this
0: obviously is one of those passages probably you and I both have this coffee mug sitting somewhere in our house be strong and very courageous <laughs> if I not commanded you and it's one that's taken out of context quite often and um it, it It's probably not an intentional thing. I mean, they they probably are just trying to be encouraging with it. but It's not to win football games? (laughs) Yeah, right. No (laughs) joke. Well, so what is it about uh, this passage in particular that when when we read it, we take this part of it away, what are we missing from understanding the full thrust, like the full implication of what's going on
1: here? I think in a lot of ways... And we see this with other passages as well, like when Paul talks about, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we use that for the same kinds of things we apply this verse to. is when we miss the why we need to be strong and courageous, when we miss why we are to be content in everything, and that reason is for God's glory, for his kingdom. And when we start applying it to what we want to accomplish on the earth, instead of trying to align our desires and our mission and our vision to what God has for the overall purpose of the earth and our individual purpose on the earth, like that's when we need to be strong and courageous. We need to be strong and courageous in the Lord and not just in, in His name when we say it at the end of a prayer or we just say, hey, we're Christians, but. I'm going to be strong and courageous because I know the blessings associated with obeying God and that he is going to empower me. We have the Holy Spirit to give us a power, uh, a spirit of power and sound mind and not to fear. And so those are where we hold on to these blessings that God, I'm going to live for your kingdom and I'm going to do and obey what you have me to do. And therefore, I can be strong and courageous, not I'm going to muster, muster this strength in myself Mm. and really like, you know, go lift some weights and be strong in the flesh. And then I'm going to overcome this battle that I want, (laughs) but it's aligning ourselves with God's will. And because we know that God will be faithful and accomplish his will, we can be strong and courageous in him. Mm.
0: So on that, the success that's being talked about here in this passage, what exactly does this success look like? What's being spoken of here?
1: (sighs) Uh, So they are, and correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor, but they are going in to inherit and take the land that they uh, were promised, that God said that they were going to be given. Mm. So that's awesome.
0: So according to this passage, then, we, we know what success is. We know what it looks like. So is it dependent on the Israelites? Is it dependent
1: on God or what? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, and I just think this passage is a great passage to apply to success. So a uh, great job on picking that to go through. <laughs> and I was just trying to think about this because like from a practical perspective, like, we don't hear God say, go take this land, probably like they heard it then. And we don't hear those kinds of audible voices. Um, and I think there's just two ways that I think success comes to us is one through natural or nature and how God created things where just naturally, especially in America, when you do the right things, that you don't have kids before you're married, that you you work hard, you learn, you submit yourself to authority, you be discipled by somebody, and you do things that create value. Well, people are going to provide you with compensation, and you can build success just from how God created this world, just how he set up the laws of nature. And I think a lot of this, too, in the Old Testament and in the New, there's a supernatural, too, that is... That it's beyond the law that God will bless you from a like a kind of like cutting in and doing something that just never just naturally wouldn't happen, just how God set up things. And I think both of those things could happen. So I think it is all God because He set up this world, He set up the game, He created the rules, and if we would just obey Him within that natural framework, Mm. then we're going to be successful. Now, success is something that you have to define because a lot of a lot of people just don't do it but success doesn't mean that i'm going to have 10 million dollar mansion if i work really hard mm. and it doesn't mean that i'm going to have a ferrari or lamborghini although it would be really nice to have <laughs> um, it's success in what god has called you to do again mm. success in my mind and how i define it is obedience to what god has called us to do because then we can be strong and courageous because then we can inherit the blessings He's given to us mm. um so doing those things in the natural order of things working hard learning building providing value getting feedback doing all the things that even the secular world understands is what builds success but that is still to give god the glory because he set it up that way mm. and then also i think there are times where you can fight giants that you have no business beating like you can be a three million slaves coming through the desert and losing all of your elders and being like going through the circles of the desert for 40 years but then God can enable you to do supernatural things like fight giants that the previous spies were scared of. Um, And so I think those things can happen as well. Wow. So taking
0: this up to some contemporary implications then, in what ways have you seen this specific passage misapplied in its application?
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, I don't have any specific examples of somebody claiming this passage but I can just say the mentality, especially of Christians, that I'm going to be able to achieve anything I set out to do. Like I'm going to start this million dollar company, and I'm just going to do it, and God's going to bless me because I have I pray a lot, and I have a lot of faith, and i you know I have people that are supporting me, and it's like all these fleshly things. It's your own um, your own goals, your own desires, and not that starting a business is wrong. Obviously, I'm an entrepreneur; I do it all the time. Um, But just there's this very self-focused, self-actualization kind of application that happens in this mindset. And people will pull verses like this out and apply it in those situations. And you're basically trying to use God as a genie instead of God as Lord. Mm. Um, And so that's kind of where I see that the most. So do you see the church as understanding success?
0: I mean, the church of 2020 as understanding success within the context of God's authority?
1: (laughs) <laughs> that's a resounding no. And again, that's a blanket statement, and I know there's exceptions to the rule of that generality. Uh, we do see that with like notable exceptions like John MacArthur's church, mm. and we see it with smaller churches. Like I just left my church actually a couple months ago because they closed down again, but went to a small church that no one's ever heard of, a, a church plant for about a year, a small 30-person Presbyterian church that has been faithfully being successful in obeying God's call on their life and their mission and what they're supposed to be doing. Um, and I do, the church doesn't understand success. They don't understand the battles and a large part of what we're fighting. Um, they don't know what the actual battle is over. They don't understand how to be successful in a lot of ways. And in my personal opinion, from what I've seen again, coming from the non-denominational background is because we were never discipled in this way. We were never discipled to think of success. We were, We said you say the prayer and you believe in Jesus and then you just show up to the church and you hear the Bible study. Mm. But it never went beyond that. There was never any call to be successful. There was never a call to um, declare the lordship of Jesus to call people to the standard of the Bible. That was legalism. You just preach the gospel and it ended there. And I think we're seeing the fruit of that shallow foundation that we've built across the country.
0: So, do you think that there is a, uh, a misunderstanding of the relationship between God's authority and what success really looks like?
1: Yeah I, yeah, I do, and I think it comes back to what we were saying, that because success has been so often defined by what I want, mm. instead of what God has called me to do, and part of being successful and having goals to achieve those successes and those visions that you have is that you have to define your goal. You have to define what your life is about. You have to define. I love one of my uh, colleagues. He has a mission statement of his family, what he wants his family to be known for, what he wants his family to achieve as a as a group. Wow. And I think that's awesome. I, I've done that for my own life, but I haven't done it for my families, or I didn't until I heard him say that and do this. And he's a successful business guy as well, so he's kind of taking those principles. But you can't be successful until you know what success is, until you've defined it. And part of that is an ongoing relationship with God. He's not going to give you the full plan of your life from the beginning of your conversion. But you need to understand just the high level that success for you is obedience to God. And once you get that, then we can start talking about the authority of success it's not your authority, it's God's. Uh, awesome. So how good of a
0: job do you think the church is doing at teaching that? Dude, that's why I have a podcast. I don't think they're doing a great job of it at oh. all. <laughs> good. Well, keep it up. Keep it up for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, so as far as teaching life application of the scriptures within the context of God's authority, how good of a job do you think the church is doing?
1: Man, you're just making me be super negative. Uh, no, it's, it's <laughs> again, honesty. It's honesty. <laughs> yeah, uh, I get. There are churches that are doing it really well, and I mean, I've I've seen a lot of them, and that all, unfortunately, a lot of that is coming from the reformed side of things. And I'm saying that as someone who probably no one would consider reformed, although I do adopt and pull from a lot of their uh, understanding and thinking of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but from the church as a whole, again, it's not. There's no. There's no thought about this whatsoever. There's no. Uh, understanding of authority, spheres of authority, like they, people wouldn't even equate business with family, and that there's like some kind of relationship there, and that you're really working and you're really doing these things because you're initially trying to bless your family and you're working with your family and you're you're using the the trades and the, the skills that you've learned to grow family, to grow your kids and to disciple them and to build them up to being people that are going to do the same thing. Like these just kinds of concepts don't really exist in the church. Tr- for the most part. Um, And so that's why I've really like befriended and um, kind of aligned myself with the reformed community of the church because this thinking of authority and spheres of authority and how this applies to every area of life is needed now more than ever in 2020. Mm. I don't think there is any uh, time that it's been needed more in America, at least, than now. Mm. Now,
0: if you have the church's ear for just a few seconds, you know, and and, and everyone's tuning in and and everyone is listening to you and you have a lot of life experience and, and Mm -hmm. you've been in, in the the faith for a long time now. And, um, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not saying this to pat you on the back, but just, and you have a voice in front of the whole church right now. (laughs) And, you know, you were to say the issue of authority is a problem and this is where I think we should start to fix it. What would you say?
1: Repentance. Mm. we repent from the idols in our life and i think we see this with people's reasonings and thoughts of why we stopped worshiping god is there is idolatry in our hearts and in our lives in our churches in ways and obviously in every way that god has called us not to we've looked and given authority to people that don't have the right to it because Mm -hmm. god didn't give it to them and when you're and again just using COVID as an example. And I'm not saying that closing down your churches in the beginning was wrong Mm. Um, because some people did because they didn't know how bad this virus was. It was impossible to know because the news media and all this stuff, it's, you know, partisan politics and all this stuff. You didn't know. So we shut, a lot of people shut down and a lot of people stayed shut down. A lot of people reopened. But the key thing to think about when you're making these decisions is why are you doing it? Are you doing it because you're trying to safeguard your, your congregation Are you looking out for the health of the church, the well-being of the church? Or are you doing it simply because the government told you to? Mm. And I've heard a lot of pastors say, well, we're just going to submit to authority. We're going to submit to the government regardless. Again, that's why I left my church that I was going to for the last year that I've lived in Florida. It's because they indefinitely are shutting down based on what the government says. Mm. And that's just one anecdotal thing because it's a root cause to have that perspective at all. Well, we're okay as a church letting the government say it's okay to riot and worship their Marxist statist gods and do those kinds of things, but then at the same time saying you can't worship. Like, What example does that give uh, to us, or what example does that give to the nation of how we think of the lordship of Jesus Christ? What does that look like for us and as an example to the world of the authority of Christ? And I think that it's not that the, the action and the reasoning is not the source of the problem. It's an idolatry problem. It's, mm. We haven't given the crown and the throne to Christ in every area of our lives. And so we make stupid decisions and we, we reason in foolish ways because of the idolatry in our life. And so I'd love if there was one thing to do is for us to just get down on our knees and pray to God and ask for him to cleanse us of all of those false idols and all of that idolatry. We look in the Old Testament, and I'm sorry I'm rambling, I'll just close with this, no. uh, or for this question, is we see in the Old Testament constantly the battle in Israel of having false gods coming in, having those high places, and there are times where they return to God, but they don't quite get rid of all of the false idol worship. And that, that's so true in our lives today, <laughs> that we we're constantly in a culture of idolatry, we're in a culture of these high places, and we've been comfortable with it. And we've kind of integrated it in with the worship of the true and living God. So if we want to see the blessings of God, we need to humble ourselves and pray. And then he will heal our land. And we have to throw down those idols. That's when revival came. That's when reformation came. Is when we casted off those idols and we casted off those high places and solely worshiped and gave authority to God. Wow, that is so awesome.
0: So one more question I'm going to toss at you. So okay. this idea that, that you keep saying again and again and again and I love it of of God having authority over every area of life you you keep saying mm-hmm. this and 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 it's it needs to be heard is there some book that you've read over the past however many years that that really tuned you in on this whole idea apart from the Bible? Like, is is there a, a pastor's book or just something that you read that it really stoked this fire in you? Or is it just uh, from being in the Christian community? Uh, what, what drove you here?
1: Yeah, it, I get this question a lot. Like, what books should you read? And the honest <laughs> truth is, I don't have time to read books. And I don't in a lot of... Uh, times like there's sometimes i'll read a book every once in a while like uh, by what standard i have that given to me so i've been reading that but i have been developing these ideas from being discipled by older people in the faith the cross-politic guys i have conversations with them constantly just watching their podcast on the fight life peace network listening and talking with other brothers that have the same mindset and we've kind of just created this community it's really neat i don't know if you guys can pick up on this but there's like a coalition of us guys that have this mindset that not not necessarily we all are monolithic and we think all the exact same ways but we're pursuing God and we want to make him known and we want to declare the lordship of Jesus and we're not going to we're not going to just take the status quo we want to pursue and reform and uh, be sanctified further and further and so we talk to each other and we bounce ideas off of each other and that's where for me that I've developed this these ideas praying reading the word going back and forth hey what do you think about this hey Man, why do you have this perspective? And having a lot of those conversations with other people in the community uh, that I'm in with this podcasting stuff is really helping me with that. That's awesome. So, how
0: can our listeners find out more about you and more about the ministries you're involved in?
1: Yeah, you can uh, find me on all the social media sites, How to Build a Tent. If you want to actually see my posts, go on the Parlor. That's a new social media site that doesn't censor us, it's really nice. <laughs> uh, my numbers got shot up way <laughs> a lot when I uh, started posting on there. Um, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and How to Build a Tent. I'm on the Fight, Laugh, Feast network. If you listen to podcasts, you can search for that. And my show code is HTBT, so you can look for the show under the network for there. You can also email me, Matt, at com. I will read your emails. I will read your direct messages. I can't guarantee that I'll get back to all of them because it's just too many. No offense, but I give that disclaimer out to because it's just too much. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well,
0: hey, I really, really appreciate this conversation. I really appreciate your time. And I'm going to continue to pray for you and the ministries you're involved in and for your family. So uh, with where thank the Lord God. is leading you over the next few months, uh, you know, you have, some, you have some prayers going up for
1: you, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. And thank you for having me on the show. Yes, thank you.